This episode was originally recorded in December 2021. Hey everyone, this is Tony Down. Welcome to the official OCPHA podcast where we interview our pharmacy professionals about their journey into their fields. And today we have a very special guest. We'll be speaking with Dr. Richard Dang on his role and how he's gotten to the world of pharmacy. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast again, uh, Richard. How are you doing today? Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here on your podcast, and I, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's it's a rainy day that we're recording right now, so it's uh, just kind of being cooped up inside. Um, but yeah, just before we begin talking about, I guess, your journey in a little bit more detail, uh, can you kind of tell the listeners a little bit about you know yourself and who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I am um, Richard Dang, and I'm currently the president of the California Pharmacists Association. Um, I had also previously served as the chair of our COVID-19 task force, um, as well as speaker of the house for CPHA. In my professional role, I am a assistant professor of clinical pharmacy at the USC School of Pharmacy. Uh, so I'm on the faculty there teaching topics primarily in community-based pharmacy practice, as well as health screenings um, and other community health topics. I also serve as the uh, residency program director for our PGY-1 and PGY-2 community-based residency program at USC. Awesome. And, you know, I've actually known you for a while now. We actually went to school around the same time. And um, what I actually didn't, I don't think I ever asked you, so it would be good learning for me right now too. But I guess, I guess why did you decide on pharmacy as a... Uh, a career path for yourself? Yeah, this is this is a really fun question I, I get all often, especially when we go to kind of events with students and other other professionals. Part of it is I came into the profession through chance. Um, and so that's always led me to kind of my philosophy as I talk to students and young professionals of just always keeping your doors open and because you never know where your life journey will take you. Um, so this all began for me really back in high school, uh, where at the time, as you know, I applied to colleges, looking at different programs. I, of course, was thinking of the typical, like, I'm going to do pre-med and think about potentially going to medical school. So I knew that I wanted to be involved in the health profession and in the world of healthcare. Um, but I didn't really know all the different roles and groups that were out there. And so, of course, I was just thinking, you know, medical school, which is what many other high schoolers think as well. Um, I had signed up to attend a career fair at our high school, and there was a physician who was supposed to come and speak, uh, but then he actually canceled at the last minute um, and was replaced by a pharmacist. And so this pharmacist came and spoke to us for the career panel. He talked about what he did for his job, um, how he got there, where he went to school, and he went to USC, and he did the USC pre-pharmacy program. And I just ate up everything he said. Like I loved hearing what he was talking about. And he talked about how as a pharmacist, he was involved in healthcare. He was having daily direct patient interactions. He talked about the impact that he would have with his patients, you know, educating them about their medications and the disease states. But he was, he also talked about, he talked very fondly about his work-life balance, um, you know, how he was working in his pharmacy. He, you know, was happy with what he was doing. And I just really connected with that. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I didn't know, you know, what pharmacists do and what, and that pharmacy existed. And so I was like, that's maybe something I could consider, you know, it's in healthcare. And I really valued the in interpersonal relationships that he mentioned. And also just thinking more long term at that time, I was like, well, you know, 
in medical school, you probably have to be on call and there's like long hours. And while he also worked very hard, he did mention how like, oh, you know, his pharmacy is open Monday to Saturday. They're not open overnight. And now, we, of course, we know that other pharmacies have different hours as well. But the way he was talking, I was like, oh, it sounds really like a really good, stable lifestyle and career choice. And so I actually just ended up uh, applying to USC's pre-pharmacy program uh, right after that career panel. And I was accepted. And so then I started learning more about what the profession was and kind of like what that was going to be like. And so I volunteered um, at some pharmacies uh, before coming into pharmacy school. Um, and that's really ultimately kind of what led me into the door of pharmacy. But what led me to like love the profession is really my time in pharmacy school, where I did our IPPE rotations at various pharmacies, and I really connected with our community health events. So I loved doing health fairs and doing screenings with patients uh, when I was a student. And that really, uh, for me, solidified my decision to join the profession because I really kind of joined, like I said, based on chance and on the whim, you know, on a high school career panel decision. But I really reaffirmed that this was the right profession for me. And all the things I was hoping from it, I really do see in terms of having those direct relationships with patients and having an impact on their healthcare. Wow, that's that's really cool. You know, when you started pharmacy school, though, like one of the things that I, I guess for me, like when I started pharmacy school, I didn't realize, oh, there's so many different things that pharmacists can do. So, you know, there's the inpatient side, there's the community side, there's industry, and the list kind of goes on. And uh, I guess like for you, kind of like, was there like a, a moment where you kind of knew which part of pharmacy you wanted to do? And I guess how did that moment come about? Yeah, I share the same feelings of like, wow, there's so many things you can do with your PharmD degree. And there's so many different areas that pharmacists are involved in. And uh, there wasn't really an exact moment. And, um, you know, as I also talk about this with some of our students as well, for me, or for many people, they have clarity as far as like what maybe area of pharmacy they want to work in as they go through the curriculum, and especially as they complete their rotations. But for me, I kind of had the opposite effect where I just loved everything. Like when I was rotating through the inpatient and when I was rotating through outpatient pharmacies, I really enjoyed my time. But during my time as a student, I was an intern primarily in the outpatient setting. Um, I actually was an intern and worked um, at CVS Pharmacy, Kaiser Permanente, and uh, the VA Long Beach Healthcare. Um, and each of I worked at all three of these locations throughout my first three years in pharmacy school. Um, so balancing those jobs with schoolwork and extracurricular uh, was something that I was able to do. And it, they each really gave me unique uh, insight into the profession. You know, with CVS, it was your traditional uh, outpatient uh, retail pharmacy setting. Our Kaiser, I was at the uh, discharge 24-hour pharmacy at the Los Angeles Medical Center. And the VA was our ambulatory care um, you know, clinics that I was able to rotate in through. And all three of those really just kind of set me up with that, that great insight into like, this is what it means to work in outpatient. We saw see kind of the full spectrum of the patient-centered dispensing, but also the ambulatory care services and a, across a variety of different practice settings as well, whether it was a closed system or an open pharmacy. Having you know, most of my internship experiences in the community, I actually designed most of my API rotations in my P4 year to be primarily inpatient. Um, and so I did mostly inpatient rotations um, through Cedar sinai Medical Center during my fourth year. And I actually really enjoyed my time working there as well. So 
you know, I kind of joke with students like, you know, usually rotations give you clarity, but for me, it made me more confused because I just loved everything that I did. So when it came time for applying to residencies and, and, and creating, you know, going through the interviews and creating my match list, I really had to reflect on like, what were the qualities that I was really looking for? And for me, I realized that I could do patient care in any setting and I would enjoy it, whether it was inpatient or outpatient. But what I really wanted the most was that, you know, what I realized in high school was that one-on-one patient interaction. And just through my experience in realizing that overall, um, you know, I can provide patient care in any setting, but if I want that individual touch with the patient, that it has to be in an outpatient area. And that's what led me to ultimately go down the pathway of practicing in community-based pharmacy. Wow, that that was a lot of things that you just said. And uh, there's a few things I want to kind of expand on. Uh, One of the things you did mention was just all these different different tasks, different things that you've been doing at the same time. And, you know, just balancing uh, so many different things at once. And um, I I guess, like, I kind of know what your answer is, but how did that kind of play into your current state where you're so productive now, you know? Yeah, I mean, balancing three internships with the extracurriculars and classes was definitely not an easy task. Um, and I, I, looking back, I, I don't even know how honestly I did it, but it did really prepare me to, you know, be able to be better at time management because that was so crucial to be successful in all the different areas. And it also taught me the importance of having a really good team that you work with. You know, I wouldn't have been able to maintain three internships as a student if I didn't have managers who were supportive of my education. You know, uh, they were all willing to work with my schedule and to um, be able to schedule around all of the other different uh, schoolwork or other positions that I might have had. And so without the support of those managers, you know, that wouldn't have been possible. And also just through school by finding, you know, a study group that you connect with and by working um on teams with student organizations, um, because I was involved in that as well, you know, delegating and having good teammates that you can work with and rely on and uh, communicate well with was really important. So I think some of those skills, you know, that I was able to pick up during that time really um, helped me be successful as a professional now. That's really cool. So, you know, what I also noticed is that you already had kind of like a really cool, like strategic mindset, like, you know, talking about networking, you know, finding a good team. And even when you were talking about how you strategize, like setting up your appies. So leading that into like your leadership role at CPHA, how did that kind of all come about? Yeah. Um, as a student, I was um, involved in APSA, which is our uh, USC's umbrella organization for CPHA, APHA, SHP, CSHP. So I was really introduced to CPHA and the other associations through my involvement with APSA. And then as soon as I graduated, I was thinking about what can I do, what else can I do to, to be more involved? Because I really did enjoy, you know, meeting um, the CPHA members and participating in the meetings and events. But when I graduated, you know, it's a different you know mindset, right? When you're a student versus when you're a pharmacist. And I was looking to see how I could get involved and how I could get value from the CPHA membership. So I really started by connecting with the local associations. So I'm based in San Gabriel Valley. So I connected with our uh, San Gabriel Valley local association, much like many of your listeners and members are probably connected to the OC local association as well. And so I just started attending those meetings and, um, you know, getting involved in some of the events that they had, volunteered for some committees. And eventually that led to uh, the question of, hey, do you want to join our board? Um, And so 
being eager to kind of contribute, I, I joined the board for St. Gabriel, and that really helped kickstart kind of my involvement with CPHA, just seeing all the things that the association did to, to fight for the profession and to help expand all the things that we wanted to do. And also at that time was right when SB 493 was coming about as well. And so there's really big excitement in terms of, you know, the scope of practice for pharmacists and what, what we can do as uh, healthcare professionals. Um, eventually, I joined the um, CPHA's uh, Leader Development Institute, which is a year-long leadership training that really also exposed me to the inner workings of the association and helped me develop personally as a better human, as a better leader. Um, and it really was a great experience that propelled my involvement uh, with the association. And so with those, you know, being involved with the local, joining LDI, I eventually um ran for the position of Speaker of the House, and I was elected. Um, and that was an area that I thought was a really good fit for me because I had been a delegate for a few years. I really liked the policy process and like getting into details and having discussions and debates. Um, and so that was my really first true leadership experience directly with CPHA was being elected as Speaker, leading that process, and then serving a few years on the board through that. I ran for president um, and here I'm now starting my, I just started my presidential term in September and uh, today is December. Awesome. That's, that's really cool to kind of hear about your journey through CPHA. One of, one of the things that, you know, was, uh, I, I would say you were one of the people heavily involved in it was the uh, advanced practice pharmacist. And, you know, we, we have listeners who are outside the area as well. So maybe out of state as well. So can you kind of discuss a little bit about what that is, and I guess what the scope is, and what was your involvement in its inception? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I referred to SB 493, which is a bill that we had passed in California. Um, that bill was significant in that it did three pretty big things for California pharmacists. One was that it formally recognized in the law that pharmacists are healthcare providers. Uh, two, um, it expanded the ability, pharmacist's ability to independently furnish medications for select disease states like hormonal contraception and travel medicine um, and routine immunizations. And third was it actually created a new license in California. So to complement the registered pharmacist license, we also have now an advanced practice pharmacist license. In order to qualify for an advanced practice pharmacist license, um, there are a few eligibility criteria that registered pharmacists have to meet, including completion of a residency program, uh, becoming board certified, um, and completing uh, 1,500 hours of clinical practice under a collaborative practice agreement. But essentially, the idea is that an advanced practice pharmacist is someone who's been recognized as having the skills to deliver patient care services and whose primary you know, responsibility is to initiate, adjust, modify, and discontinue drug therapy. So really all the things that pharmacists have been doing through collaborative practice before, but having been recognized formally uh, with this designation. Um, and so as that uh, bill and that new licensure was kind of rolled out, one of the things that I was able to be involved in is uh, CPHA had recruited me to serve as a subject matter expert to develop the training program for the advanced practice uh, cert uh, certificate that we offer through CPHA. So through that, we really had to you know think about what were the skills and concepts that 
advanced practice pharmacists needed to know in terms of, you know, things like ordering drug therapy related tests, looking up high quality clinical guidelines, um, things that and how to document um, in the EMR, uh, how to do patient care referrals, all of these things that advanced practice pharmacists would be able to do. We had to develop those uh, training modules and content for those uh, individuals who are completing the certificate training program to be eligible for the license. Um, and so it's been more than a few years now uh, that the license has been in place. And there's some really exciting changes that just passed this year uh, with the um, most recent Board of Pharmacy Sunset Review Law that's going to affect the advanced practice pharmacist licensure. So I'm really looking forward to that, um, seeing how that's going to be rolled out. But I think one of the big things to be aware of with the new um, regulations coming forward with advanced practice pharmacists uh, is essentially that they would be able to pretty much almost independently initiate, adjust, and modify and, or discontinue drug therapy with or without a collaborative practice agreement uh, in place. Wow, that, that's a pretty big advancement. Um, and how does someone like who's interested in learning more, like how do they get more info about the advanced practice pharmacists? Yeah, there's definitely a few places. Um, we can definitely refer them to the uh, CPHA website, cpha.com, but also the California Board of Pharmacy will have information about uh, the advanced practice pharmacist license as well. Uh, but specifically through CPHA, we have that uh, certificate training program that I mentioned. And uh, in that course, uh, we do talk about all the different things that advanced practice pharmacists can do, um, as well as uh, training them with the skills that they need. Okay, cool, cool. I'll, I'll be putting some of the links uh, into our show notes for anyone who's interested in uh, looking into that. Um, I do want to move on to also your involvement uh, in the COVID-19 task force as well. So, you know, as everyone knows, COVID-19 has been among us and pharmacists do play a very important role. And uh, I, I guess like I was curious about, you know, what did CPHA's COVID-19 task force kind of do with uh, in terms of, you know, getting pharmacists out there to help with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, the COVID-19 pandemic changed so much. Um, and I, I, of course, nobody expected it uh, to, to be on the horizon. Um, but one of the really great things was that CPHA really recognized that this is potentially a big deal. We need to have people who are, you know, going to be addressing some of these issues, you know. So when the pandemic was being first kind of discussed or COVID-19 was first being discussed and identified in like the early months of January and February, it wasn't really until March that everyone realized, whoa, this is kind of a big deal. And I kind of also remember like as an individual uh, feeling that same way. And for me, it didn't click that this was going to be a big deal until the Lakers and the NBA canceled all of their games. And I was like, whoa, there's something big here that's happening that we really need to try to get ahead of. And so CPHA's leadership recognized that at the time um, and almost immediately put together a task force of experts who had some infectious disease background, some regulatory background to address some of the challenges that we saw coming. And short, you know, this was put together shortly after California issued its stay-at-home orders. And we were seeing at the time that businesses were being shut down, everyone was being asked to stay at home. And we saw that pharmacies were one of the only businesses that were asked to remain open because they provided essential services. It was basically just grocery stores and pharmacies that were remaining open when the pandemic first started. All of the other businesses were closed. And so there was a lot of questions coming from our friends and colleagues and other members from the profession of, well, if we're going to remain open, 
uh, during this, you know, pan- potential pandemic or, or, or health crisis? What does that mean for us? How do we protect ourselves? And remember, when COVID first came out, we didn't really know a lot about how it spread, how transmissible is it, what we can do to protect ourselves. So we didn't really know what that meant. <clears throat> but our task force really looked at the information that we had available at the time. And we recognized, we started recognizing that pharmacists were kind of being ignored. We were being told that you're essential, you have to remain open, but then we weren't being told how to protect yourself or how you needed to uh, operate your business so that you don't become infected. So we saw that we were, you know, people were asking pharmacies to stay open, to be exposed, but not giving them the tools. And so our task force really started off by calling that out and saying pharmacists are essential healthcare providers and pharmacists need to be provided with all the necessary protective equipment uh, that's available. And at that time, you know, PPE was scarce as well. And it was only really being discussed in the context of the hospital setting, which of course there was a huge shortage there and there was a great need and high risk there. But at the same time, pharmacies were open and exposed. And so we really put out that we started out by putting out a press release, calling out that pharmacists need access to PPE. And then we followed that up by putting together a set of recommendations, uh, which included things like universal masking, uh, physical barriers, uh, recommending curbside pickup. And we put together a set of recommendations that could be released to pharmacists and to employers. And we're really proud of that document because it, it was really comprehensive in our recommendations to how we can protect pharmacists and interns and technicians. And we were actually also able to release these documents even before CDC came out with anything for healthcare providers, even before um, OSHA came out with anything, before the state came out with anything, Department of Public Health came out with anything. So we were really on the forefront of like thinking about how do we protect our workforce? And that was one of the first big things that we did. And that really parlayed us into the next things that we were able to do, which was, you know, really secure the fact that pharmacists can play a role in testing. Pharmacists can play a role in vaccination and pharmacists can play a role in treatment of COVID-19. And all of those things were eventually realized over the course of the pandemic. It was really important to have our task force and to have CPH there on the forefront because when testing was first rolled out, pharmacists, again, were ignored. But we knew that pharmacists knew how to do testing. We were open and they had the skills and capacity to do it. And also we knew that vaccinations would be a big deal. And as the state was putting together committees and task force to discuss their vaccination plans, there were no pharmacists who were involved on these task force. And so CPHA really went to the governor's office and said that you need to put pharmacists who are experts in these areas on your committees. And we were able to get a pharmacist onto the testing task force, which was a, I was able to serve on and represent our profession. We were able to get a pharmacist on the vaccination task force with Dr. Jeff Goad um, and Susan Bonilla serving on the community side. So because we were able to speak up, we were able to put pharmacists at the forefront. And you know, fast forward to today, now we know that without pharmacists, we probably would not have been able to um, accelerate the vaccination progress as much as we see it now. Man, that that was so many things that the COVID task force, uh, you know, was involved in, and it's it's kind of like it's really good with all the um, the output and things that was able to be done. It's a little bit kind of unfortunate that it's a little bit in the background, you know, like the. I, I I know the COVID-19 task force has done a lot. I, I just hope a lot of the pharmacists out there know that as well, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. We worked really hard. I remember at the very beginning of it, we were meeting almost every day uh, to put out work products and all that information. And a lot of the work was done in the background. And, and yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people do recognize the value of what we were able to do and really just highlights the importance of supporting the association because, you know, the association is always going to be here to support the profession. And they're a really strong voice and advocate for us. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I want to kind of lead that into your, um, your role as the the current president and i wanted to ask you like what do you kind of see the vision like of cpha and the profession moving forward uh maybe during your presidency maybe beyond yeah absolutely during my presidency there's definitely a few topics uh that we want to continue to address one being of course in the issue of workplace conditions has definitely risen to the top um especially you know being exacerbated by the pandemic we're just hearing you know some really terrible stories coming out from some of our uh, pharmacist colleagues about them, them being understaffed, being overworked. And CPHA has really started addressing those topics over the last few years. Most notably last year, CPHA uh, sponsored a bill to ban uh, the use of quotas and metrics in retail pharmacies. And so we know that in some companies that pharmacists are being held to metrics that may or may not have to do with patient care. And so we are very proud of the fact we were able to pass that bill to ban some of those practices so that we can let pharmacists practice pharmacy without, you know, interference from the corporate office, you know, dictating things that doesn't necessarily benefit patient care or the health of an individual. Um, We're looking forward to continuing that uh, for this upcoming year to continue to put forth various protections in place to ensure that our pharmacists who are working out in the pharmacies are are being supported and they are being provided with the necessary tools and that they can use their own personal professional clinical judgment to run the pharmacy that they're working in. So that's definitely first and foremost, one of the big topics that we want to work on, continue to work on with CPHA is continue to protect and enhance the workplace conditions for our colleagues. Um, second is, of course, continuing to look at um, scope of practice for pharmacists. You know, CPJ has been involved in uh, a number of bills over the last few years to allow pharmacists to be able to furnish medications and administer vaccinations. Um, and we have some really exciting things on the horizon. I mentioned earlier the big change with pharm- uh, advanced practice pharmacists. I think that's really exciting. Uh, just, you know, something that I think is long overdue and really looking forward to see how that's going to unfold. But another thing that is on the horizon that, you know, if it happens during my presidency, that'll be outstanding, but I know it's going to be a multi-year process, is looking to the concept of standard of care. And so that's going to be a really potentially big change for how pharmacy is practiced in California if we are able to establish a standard of care model. And through that model, essentially, um, it would allow pharmacists to use their own professional clinical judgment when it comes to providing clinical services. In the current model of how pharmacists are regulated, it's very prescriptive, right? So we have laws and regulations that say pharmacists can do this, they can do this, they can't do that, they can't do that. It's very laid out, spelled out, which is why every time we want to have pharmacists involved in a new disease state, we have to go to the legislature and ask for a new bill. I mean, I think this is, was really highlighted with vaccinations. You know, it's been long established that pharmacists can administer and initiate vaccinations. With SB 493, we were able to initiate and administer all routine vaccinations. But when this COVID-19 vaccine came out, it wasn't classified as a routine vaccine. Um, and so because of that, pharmacists couldn't be involved 
and the COVID-19 vaccinations. So we had to go to the lawmakers and ask them to pass another bill that said pharmacists can do COVID-19 vaccines. And then that passed because everybody agreed. But then that's an example of us needing to go back to lawmakers anytime something new comes up. And then anytime you have to pass a bill, there's a potential delay and it takes time to go through the process. It's not immediate. And so that's our current model, where it's very, very prescriptive and potentially restrictive. With a standard of care model, it's more permissive. And a standard of care puts us more in line with the practice of you know, how physicians and nursing is regulated. Essentially, the standard model of care says, if you're trained to do it, then you can do it. So if you happen to be a pharmacist who's trained in vaccinations, you can do all vaccinations. If you happen to be a pharmacist who's specializing in infectious diseases, then you can be involved in clinical programs or patient care services around infectious diseases. If you're training cardiology, you can provide cardiology services. So it's really going to what is your training and what is your background? And and instead of saying exactly what you can do, it's relying on the fact that, well, if you've been trained, if you have the skill set and the knowledge and you can demonstrate it, then you can provide those services. So that's going to be a really exciting change in how our profession is regulated because it will open up the opportunities for so many people uh, to do the things that they are able to do to practice at the top of their license um, and to really demonstrate the value that they can provide to the healthcare system. Wow, that's a lot of uh, really cool different changes going on. But you know, with all these different changes too, and you know, we're not really 100% sure where our future is going with the profession, but it does look hopeful with like these uh, kind of standard of care things that you've been mentioning about. Uh, what kind of advice do you have, you know, for, for those students right now that may be looking into finding like their passion uh, as they go through pharmacy school and then knowing where they want to practice or, you know, even if they want to you know, go specifically in what uh, what you've been doing with uh, being more involved with the community and being more involved with leadership as well. Yeah, I think as a student, my recommendation is always to just gain as much experience as you can, whether it's through your internships or through your rotations, through your extracurricular student organizations. I think gain as much exposure as you can working in those areas, and even just talking to people who are working in those areas, learning from them about what their job is like and what, you know, what they're doing. Um, You know, I think arguably something that pharmacists are going to do in the future, we probably don't know right now, is maybe something that a future student or young professional will help develop in the future. But I think it's all about collecting as much experience and skill set as you can while you have the opportunity because you never know where your career is going to take you. Um, and some of those skills that you're going to develop as a student or as a young professional could be something that you can lean on later on in your career. Awesome. And, you know, if any of the students or, you know, listeners of this podcast wanted to uh, ask you specific questions, what's the best way they can reach out? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on social. So um, the listeners can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, but probably the best way to reach out to me is just send me an email. Um, emails are dang at usc.edu. Um, and that would be the best uh, way to start a connection. Great. I'll be putting that into the show notes for anyone who wants to reach out. But uh, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your, your really busy day uh, to be on the podcast. And, you know, I'm, I'm really sure our, our listeners have learned a lot about, uh, about you and your journey. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for the opportunity. And thanks to everybody for listening in. And I'll just leave you with, I hope you all um, see the value of participating with your associations. And I encourage you and your friends and colleagues to join us here at CPHA by becoming members and supporting all the causes that uh, we're looking forward to working with.